Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Block Fourth Quarter 2021 Earnings Conference Call. I would now like to turn the call over to your host, Mr. Nikhil Dixit, Head of Investor Relations. Please go ahead, sir. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining our fourth quarter 2021 earnings call. We have Jack and Amrita with us today. We will begin this call with some short remarks before opening the call directly to your questions. During Q&A, we will take questions from our customers in addition to questions from conference call participants. We would also like to remind everyone that we will be making forward-looking statements on this call. Actual results could differ materially from those contemplated by our forward-looking statements. Reported results should not be considered as an indication of future performance. Please take a look at our filings with the SEC for a discussion of the factors that could cause our results to differ. Also, note that the forward-looking statements on this call are based on information as of, available to us as of today's date. We disclaim any obligation to update any forward-looking statements except as required by law. During this call, we will provide preliminary gross profit growth results for the months of January and February. These represent our gross profit growth results for January and our current estimate for February performance as we have not yet closed our accounting financials for the month of February, and our monthly results are not subject to interim review by our auditors. As a result, actual January and February results may differ from these estimates. We will also provide preliminary unaudited financial results for afterpay in the second half of 2021. These results have not yet been audited or reviewed by our auditors. Actual results for afterpay may differ materially from these preliminary results. Our remarks discuss losses on consumer receivables for afterpay. Losses on consumer receivables represent an assessment of expected credit losses over the term of the receivables, which is 14 to 56 days. We believe losses on consumer receivables is comparable to afterpay's previously reported metric of gross losses. Also, we will discuss certain non-GAAP financial measures during this call. Reconciliations to the most directly comparable GAAP financial measures are provided in the shareholder letter on our investor relations website. These non-GAAP measures are not intended to be a substitute for our GAAP results. Finally, this call in its entirety is being audio webcast on our investor relations website. An audio replay of this call will be available shortly on our website. With that, I would like to turn it over to Jack. Thank you for joining us today. We wanted to start by acknowledging what's on everyone's minds, the Ukrainian people. Our thoughts are with them, our employees and customers with ties to the area, and all those affected by war. Turning now to our quarter. 2021 was a busy year for, for us. We found new ways to connect our Square and Patchart ecosystems through the acquisition of Afterpay. We added new ecosystems with Title to serve artists and TBD to serve Bitcoin developers. And we announced two new hardware projects to advance Bitcoin as a native currency for the Internet a non-custodial hardware wallet, and a Bitcoin mining system. We've been wanting to dedicate the Square brand to our seller business unit for some time, so we made that move too, and renamed the overall company Block. Block now contains four business units, Square, Cash App, Title, and CBD. And now for some updates on our business. In Cash App, we saw strong engagement and adoption from both new and existing customers. In the fourth quarter, we added to the peer-to-peer functionality that has made Cash App so popular with an update that lets customers send fractional shares 
and Bitcoin from their cash app balances to friends and family. We're also launching new features to position cash app as a platform that we that can serve all of our customers' financial needs. In January, we introduced cash app taxes, where customers can file for free from a phone or computer and can receive their tax refund up to two days early if deposited through cash app. Historically, we have seen customers bringing their tax refunds into cash app, and with cash app taxes, we hope to encourage customers to bring more inflows into our ecosystem and expand awareness of our direct deposit capabilities. Turning now to Square, we delivered on our priorities of expanding internationally, growing up market, and building out our omni-channel capabilities to create cohesive experiences between sellers and their customers. For example, we know that photos are crucial for selling successfully online, but many sellers struggle with the time and cost required. To address this, in the fourth quarter, we introduced the Square Photo Studio mobile app, which makes it easy for sellers to take high-quality photos and directly sync them to their catalog or online store. Between both ecosystems, in January, we closed our acquisition of Afterpay and introduced Afterpay Buy Now, Pay Later for Square Online sellers in the U.S. and Australia, an offering that has been long requested by sellers and customers. Looking ahead, we intend to integrate Buy Now, Pay Later more deeply in our ecosystem over time, and we believe Afterpay will accelerate the connections between our Square and Cash ecosystems. We have a strong foundation to build upon in 2022. And we want to share more with all of you during the Investor Day we plan to host on May 18th, where we'll go deeper into our mission, products, strategy, and long-term goals. We'll share more details as we get closer to the date. And with that, here's Amrita. Thanks, Jack. There are a few topics I'm going to cover today. First, the strong growth from our cash app and Square ecosystems in 2021 and the compelling cohort economics driving those results. Second, Afterpay's financial performance in the second half of 2021. Third, a look at our growth trends and investments in the first quarter and into the rest of 2022. Our business delivered strong growth in 2021 with gross profit of $4.42 billion, up 62% year over year. With gross profit growth at 53% on a two-year Kager basis, we've more than doubled the scale of our business since 2019 and further diversified our products. In 2021, Square had six revenue streams that generated approximately $100 million or more in gross profit. And Cash App had four revenue streams with more than $200 million in gross profit. We delivered over a billion dollars in adjusted EBITDA and generated meaningful free cash flow during the year, demonstrating strong unit economics and incremental margins, which I'll come back to in a moment. In the fourth quarter, gross profit was $1.18 billion and grew 47% year-over-year, or 50% on a two-year Kager basis. Adjusted EBITDA was $184 million. Let's look at the drivers for Cash App and Square. Cash App generated gross profit of $518 million in the fourth quarter, up 37% year-over-year, or 90% on a two-year Kager basis, behind strong engagement and inflows. We grew Cash App's network to 44 million monthly transacting actives as of December for growth of 22% year-over-year. Our active base is highly engaged, and we've seen growing adoption of cash cards, which reached more than 13 million monthly actives as of December, a 31% attach rate to our monthly active base, up from a 22% attach rate two years ago. As we've grown our overall base of customers, we've also seen growing usage per cash card customer. In the fourth quarter, 
spend per cash card active increased year over year, as actives use cash card for a diverse range of everyday purchases, from fast food restaurants to big box retailers to gas stations and more. This broad reach has allowed cash card to gain meaningful scale, generating nearly half a billion dollars in gross profit in 2021, up nearly two times compared to the prior year. As we look at the overall cash app ecosystem, inflows, or the amount of money customers pulled into their cash app accounts, totaled $45 billion in the fourth quarter, which grew year over year and quarter over quarter, even as most government disbursement programs ended by September. This represented more than $1,000 per monthly transacting active, which was relatively stable on a quarter-over-quarter basis and increased year-over-year. As actives adopt more products, they typically inflow more money into Cash App, which we've seen leads to greater monetization. You can see the power of this dynamic with Cash Card customers. In the fourth quarter, Cash Card actives generated approximately five times more gross profit per active as compared to actives that only used peer-to-peer. Turning now to our Square ecosystem, Square generated gross profit of $657 million in the fourth quarter, up 54% year-over-year or 32% on a two-year cater basis, an improvement from the third quarter. Our strategic priorities of building omni-channel products, growing up market, and expanding globally continue to drive growth. Our upmarket sellers have achieved strong growth and have adopted more products over time. Square gross profit from mid-market sellers grew significantly faster than the overall Square business, up 73% year-over-year in the fourth quarter, or 47% on a two-year Tager basis. We continue to believe our Square ecosystem is differentiated due to our integrated and cohesive set of products across hardware, software, payments, and financial services, serving seller needs in a more comprehensive way. We are making progress in surfacing incremental product adoption to serve our sellers across multiple vectors with a goal of creating a more retentive and valuable relationship. As our mix has shifted to larger and more complex sellers, we've seen an increase in product adoption. In 2021, 80% of square gross profit came from sellers using two or more products and 38% came from sellers using four or more products with these sellers generating more than 10 times the gross profit compared to those only using one product. Our Square ecosystem has also resonated across our global markets. Gross profit from Square's markets outside the U.S. grew faster than the overall base of 60% year-over-year and 63% on a two-year Tager basis in the fourth quarter, despite various periodic lockdowns. As we continue to achieve strong acquisition of new sellers and increased product parity with the U.S. market. Now, shifting to the strong cohort economics that have enabled efficient growth for our cash and square ecosystems. Starting with Cash App's acquisition, retention, and returns on investment. In 2021, even as we scaled our marketing investments, Cash App spent approximately $10 to acquire a new transacting active. And we've seen early monthly cohorts maintaining a payback period of less than one year as gross profit per monthly active was $47 in the fourth quarter. For existing customers, increased product adoption and engagement has enabled annual gross profit retention of more than 125% each of the the past four years, which has driven strong returns on investment of six times or greater over three years for historical cohorts. Square has also driven attractive cohort economics. 
2021, Square again onboarded its largest annual cohort of new sellers on a gross profit basis, with a greater mix of investments towards long-term strategic areas like international and brand campaigns. Square's 2021 sales and marketing spend is pacing towards an estimated six-quarter payback. Beyond growth and new seller acquisition, we saw encouraging recovery within our existing base this year. Each of our existing annual cohorts achieved positive growth profit retention in 2021 compared to 2019, and in aggregate grew 10% over this period. Square's 2020 and 2021 cohorts are pacing towards compelling returns on investment of 3x over four years. With these cohort economics, we delivered incremental adjusted EBITDA margins of 32% in 2021, which was driven by ramping profitability in both Square and Cash App and illustrates the potential structural profitability in our business that we're investing behind. Next, an update on Afterpay. We completed the acquisition of Afterpay on January 31, 2022. Since we announced the transaction in early August, our teams have been focused on closing the transaction and planning for the sizable integration of our two companies. Despite the significant work and management focus required here, on day one, we executed on a meaningful integration of our Square into our Square ecosystem. We're excited about the early progress and also recognize we're embarking on a multi-year effort to deliver the shared vision we have for our customers. Although Afterpay did not contribute to our fourth quarter results, we wanted to share trends on Afterpay's business since their last reported financial results. Looking first at Afterpay's growth drivers in the second half of 2021, gross merchandise volume, or GMV, was up 54% year-over-year and up 84% on a two-year CAGR basis. Revenue and gross profit each grew by approximately 53% year-over-year and by approximately 73% on a two-year CAGR basis. Afterpay continued to grow acquisition across its merchant and consumer base in the second half of 2021. At the end of December, Afterpay had more than 122,000 annual active merchants, up 64% year-over-year and more than 19 million annual active consumers, up 47% year-over-year. As we look towards integration, we see a powerful opportunity to expand and reinforce both our seller and consumer relationships by connecting Afterpay with our Square and Cash App ecosystems. Turning to Afterpay's consumer losses in the second half of 2021, an area that Afterpay has been deliberate in managing. Losses on consumer receivables were 1.17% of GMV, an increase of eight basis points compared to the first half of 2021, driven by seasonality around the holidays and a greater mix of volumes from newer products and regions. We have historically seen loss rates improve with more time after we launch in the market, as customers transact more frequently and our data models become more robust. We have seen this trend in our older markets of Australia and New Zealand, and North America and the United Kingdom are following a similar path for our core buy now, pay later product. We saw healthy consumer repayment behavior as 98% of installments were paid on time in the second half of 2021, consistent with the first half of 2021. On a full-year 2021 basis, Afterpay delivered $19.7 billion in GMV, up 74% year-over-year. Revenue growth was approximately 71% year-over-year, and gross profit growth was approximately 75% year-over-year. Finally, turning to trends in the first quarter and our expected investments. Similar to prior years, we wanted to provide prior quarters, we wanted to provide an update on trends so far in the quarter. 
Excluding Afterpay across Cash App and Square, we expect gross profit growth of 33% year-over-year or 43% on a two-year CAGR through January and February. By ecosystem, for Cash App, for the months of January and February, we expect gross profit growth of 21% year-over-year or 71% on a two-year CAGR basis. For Square, for the months of January and February, we expect gross profit growth of 45% year-over-year or 28% on a two-year taker basis. We experienced a moderation in gross profit growth for both our cash app and square ecosystems in January before growth improved in February. We believe the moderation in January growth was driven in part by the impact of the Omicron variant, as both businesses were more impacted in regions with pronounced increases in COVID cases. While cash app saw impacts in January network volumes across peer-to-peer and cash for business, Cash Card continued to deliver strong growth year-over-year and on a two-year taker basis. Square GPV growth was more impacted in verticals like food and drink, retail and beauty, which saw a trough in mid-January before improving in the subsequent weeks. In February, we have seen trends in each ecosystem improve compared to January. Through the first three weeks of February, Square GPV growth on a two-year taker basis was approximately at fourth-quarter levels. For Cash App, we expect gross profit to increase month-over-month in February compared to January, as inflows through the first three weeks of February are trending ahead of January levels than back near December levels. We completed the acquisition of Afterpay at the end of January, so Afterpay will only contribute to February and March results in the first quarter. For the month of February, we expect Afterpay GMV growth to be between 25% and 30% year-over-year, with revenue growth in a similar range. Now looking ahead to the remainder of the first quarter. In the first quarter, we expect the gross profit two-year taker for both Cash App and Square to modestly improve compared to trends through January and February, driven by an expected improvement in the two-year taker in March. On a year-over-year basis, we expect slower growth in March compared to January and February as the prior year comps get tougher Recall that we benefited from a strong growth in March 2021 behind government disbursements during that month. As we look ahead to 2022 beyond the first quarter, we believe Cash App's year-over-year gross profit growth rate will improve in the second half of the year compared to the first half. As the comps become more favorable and as we introduce new product innovations across our commerce and financial services priorities and make pricing adjustments in certain areas. As we look at 2022, we expect to sequentially grow gross profit each quarter across Cash App and Square throughout the year, assuming the macroeconomic environment remains stable. Moving to our planned investments for the first quarter and full year 2021. For the first quarter, we expect to increase overall non-GAAP operating expenses by $180 million compared to the fourth quarter, or $40 million when excluding afterpay. For the full year 2022, we expect to increase overall non-GAAP operating expenses by $2.3 billion, including Afterpay's expected operating expense base of approximately $1 billion this year. Excluding Afterpay, we expect to increase overall non-GAAP operating expenses by $1.3 billion, or approximately 38% growth year-over-year, which is consistent with what we shared in November. Given the pacing of our investments during the year, we expect to deliver greater adjusted EBITDA in the second half of 2022 compared to the first half of the year. 
We expect that our four emerging initiatives, Title, TBD, the Hardware Wallet, and Bitcoin Mining, will represent approximately $140 million in non-GAAP operating expenses, or 2 to 3% of the overall company's investments. As always, we will actively manage our investments, adjusting them based on the top-line growth and returns we see. At our upcoming Investor Day on May 18, we are excited to share more with you about where we are and where we're headed. We see a compelling long-term vision, a large and growing total addressable market, tracking customer needs that we'll continue to focus on, and strong unit economics in our business. We hope to tell you more about the potential with Afterpay and how we will work to connect our growing Square and Cash App ecosystems. In the meantime, we will be disciplined and adapt in this dynamic environment as ever. I'll now turn it back to the operator to start the Q&A portion of the call. Thank you. To ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Again, that is star 1 to ask a question. We would like to remind everyone as well to please limit your question to 1. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Our first question comes from the line of Tian Chen Wang at J.B. Morgan. Please ask your question. Thank you so much, and uh, really appreciate the incremental margin comments. It's really encouraging. Um, I thought I'd ask, if you don't mind, just on the operating expense investments. And I mean, you talked about it, right? You're up over 50% last year. You know, spent another billion three, like you said, back in November this year. So I'm, I'm curious, have your investment priorities or visibility in spending changed in any way with respect to getting, you know, the adequate returns that you've been talking about? I saw that the CAC on Cash App is now $10. So just curious if your, if your priorities or your general thinking here has changed. Um, would it be growing users or ARPU or, you know, just spending priorities? Thank you. Sure, Tintin. Thanks for the question. Um, so first, let me say, uh, you know, what we delivered in 2021 in terms of our adjusted EBITDA margins of 32% year-over-year versus 2020 really showed um, the ramping profitability and underlying structural profitability potential across our businesses, across both Square and Cash App. And that's what we're investing behind here. Now, that, coupled with the unit economics, um, is what we look at on a dynamic basis throughout the year to assess the investments that we're making. Um, and I think it's important for us to unpack that a little bit, to look at the quality of these cohort economics to understand the investments that we're making. Uh, with Cash App specifically, I think there are four factors that we look at, and each of those four factors that I'll go through uh, has attractive fundamentals and they've traced over time. Um, so first, customer acquisition. You know, Cash App's strong network effects have driven efficient acquisition historically, but even as we've scaled our investment in the past year with paid marketing to target new audiences that help us drive both brand awareness and engagement with higher product adoption and ultimately ARPUs, even with that incremental marketing investment, we increased our CAC to only $10 to acquire a net new active customer in 2021 versus the historic $5, which frankly you could argue was too efficient. We believe this is lower. That $10 is still lower than other neobanks and a fraction of what a traditional bank would spend to acquire a new customer, and that's really supported by the efficiency of the model with peer-to-peer -peer embedded within the app. 
Then you look at the returns on the investment here with Cash App. Our focus uh, in these investments is measuring returns on investment because we've seen growing ARPU over time. And what we've achieved historically is an ROI of over six times over three years for historical cohorts. And even, again, in 2021, as we increased marketing spend by 3x and CAC by over 2x, we've seen our early 2021 cohorts trend towards a payback of less than a year. And we onboarded our largest annual cohort on both variable profit and gross profit basis here in 2021. Then you look at engagement. And to your point, ARPU, gross profit per monthly active was $47 uh, based on fourth quarter gross profit, which increased 13% from the prior year, showing increasing engagement of our customers over time. And we believe we're still early in this cross-sell journey, especially when you think about the power of a product like Cash Card which is still at only just over a 30% attach rate to our total active base and cash card really driving more inflows and more spend and more engagement on the platform. So we see a meaningful opportunity here to grow ARPU, both with products like cash card and with other products like investing, direct deposit, et cetera. And that's a meaningful focus for us as part of our go-to-market strategy to drive ARPU. And then finally, retention. Uh, we increased engagement and monetization for our customers uh, over time, and that's led to strong gross profit retention of over 125% year over year each of the last four years. That means once a cohort onboards, on average, they generated at least 25% more gross profit in their second year and at least 25% more in their third and fourth years, net of any churn. So these are the dynamics that we're investing behind in our key focus areas, which really haven't changed given the health of these fundamental metrics that we're looking at as we make these investments. Yep. No, that's good stuff. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Daring Peller from Wolf Research. Please ask her a question. All right. Thanks, guys. A nice job on the uh, results. Maybe just a bit of a follow-up. It's, it's obviously great to hear the strong trends in January and February, especially around the uh, cash app gross profit. When we look at the conviction in your cash app organic growth potential from here, it sounded constructive at the acceleration you're talking about in the second half. Perhaps if you could just give us more color on expectations for active user growth relative to the four to five million semi-annual, you know, as you've had before. Uh, versus that ARPU. And then just, Jack, maybe you can give us some more understanding on what you anticipate building out in terms of new products that can drive that ARPU and engagement that, you know, either we've seen so far expanding more or are yet to come, and what would you have in mind? Thanks, guys. Thanks, Aaron. Uh, Jack, maybe I can start, and then you can uh, take the second part of the question. Uh, so just to... Just to um, ground you in what we're seeing so far for, for Cash App, Darren, um, is gross profit growth ultimately driven by, as you called out, network reach, engagement, and inflows, which we shared, at, you know, $45 billion in Q4 was up quarter over quarter and year over year. When we unpack a little bit of what we've seen so far this year, in January, we did see some moderation in the gross profit growth rate for Cash App, which we believe was related in part to Omicron. Uh, we saw resilience, though, in certain parts of the ecosystem, for instance, Cash Card, which is more resilient and continue to drive strong growth. In February, we expect gross profit to increase month over month as inflows in those first three weeks of February are trending ahead of January levels, nearly back to December levels. We also expect year-over-year gross profit growth to improve in February. 
And when you look throughout the rest of the quarter, we expect that two-year Tager to modestly improve for Cash App from the 71% we had in January, February, based on an expected improvement in March. Um, and again, we would anchor you to the two-year Kager here for Q1, just given the comps around the year-over-year from March of 2021 last year with the government disbursement. Um, looking to the remainder of 2022, as we think about growth levers, we see room to scale with recent product launches of Cash App Pay, Families, Taxes, which are still early in scaling in the second quarter. And obviously, we've got the pipeline around Cash App Borrow and integration products uh, with Afterpay and with a commerce opportunity there. So as a result, as you noted, we expect Cash App year-over-year gross profit growth rate to improve in the second half versus the first half behind these new products, behind some pricing changes, and as we begin lapping a more normalized macro environment in the second half of the year. And, uh, Dan, I think your question was around this new products for cash apps. Um, the, the strongest and greatest thing about cash app that we found is, is uh, how, it, how it creates network effects. We, we started with that early on. So if you look at how we launched the app, um, the, the peer-to-peer aspect uh, has, has always been our strongest driver of, of usage. So, you know, me being able to get paid uh, and then also request money from my friends or send money from my friends, creating another another account, another customer. Um, but as we look forward, uh, you know, some of the features that Amrita mentioned also uh, have the benefit of enhancing those network effects. So any any product that uh, either creates new network effects or um, strengthens the one we already have, we're going to look seriously at. Uh, we, we have a lot of... Um, we have a lot today that uh, I think positively reinforce one another, one another. Um, and a lot of it creates even more opportunity for people to keep their money with us. And as we see people keeping their money with us, we see them, you know, doing more activities um, that, that we offer, such as Bitcoin or stocks or uh, the cash card or um, obviously direct deposit and taxes uh, are, are, are part of that. So there's a whole suite of financial tools that Cash App has access to that um, we're really excited about. And we'll do it in the way that we've always done it, make sure that we get down to the simplest fair essentials so people can use immediately. And I think that's what sets us apart from our competitors and especially uh, the neobanks and, um, and and some of the others that, that you all have brought up uh, is, is that, you know, we're not just focused on, on one aspect. Uh, we, we have an entire ecosystem that um, positively reinforces one another for our customers and and and, and do that for us as well. Um, and then you know you bring in the, uh, the the square side, the seller side. I, I think the most exciting thing for us going forward is how we connect these two ecosystems even more. And Afterpay is one such example of a of a massive connection that we're really excited about. Um, we're excited to be finally past the integration so we can focus on building, especially on the Cash App side. You've only seen the, the, the Square Seller side, but um, we, we did this as a connection between the two and are, are super excited about what it brings to Cash App customers. Great. Thanks, Jack. For our third question, we have Karian uh, Campbell, a Cash App customer. Please ask your question. 
Yes, hi, thank you again. Um, I definitely enjoy using Cash App and um, the question that I have, I normally receive my paychecks that are deposited into Cash App. And while I do enjoy receiving my checks two days earlier, um, I just wanted to know down the line on your guys' roadmap, do you see um, my paycheck being Cash App into, converted into Bitcoin by any chance down the line? Yeah, uh, I can take this. Thank you. Thank you first and foremost for, for being a customer. Um, obviously, we're really excited about Bitcoin. We wanted to make it more accessible to everyone. Uh, love your interest about automatically converting your, your paycheck in the, in the Bitcoin as well. We're, we're seeing a lot of, uh, and we're partnering with a lot of athletes to do exactly this. Um, obviously, we want to bring it to everyone. You, you can do it today effectively by direct depositing the cash app and, and then doing an auto buy. Uh, on the Bitcoin tab, so you can effectively set um, a cash up to buy Bitcoin for you every week or two weeks or whatever time period you want uh, from your direct deposit of your paycheck. But uh, we, we think there's opportunities to make that even more seamless. So um, we're, we're definitely looking at it, and, and thank you so much. Thank you again for um, the opportunity. Our next question comes from the line of Timothy Chiodo from Credit Suisse. Please ask your question. Great. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for taking the question. I wanted to touch on cash out taxes, given the inflows are right around the corner here over the next few weeks. Really, I think about this as two types of benefits. There's near-term and long-term. On the near-term, you have obviously the tax refund inflows and monetization, and then longer-term, it's sort of a shot-on goal to bring on more users, to reduce churn more cash card, more direct deposit, et cetera. Maybe you could just help talk about both of those, both the near-term and the long-term, and how it might play out. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a great way to think about it. Certainly, we, um, you know, we, we definitely see a lot of opportunities in the near-term to uh, look at the customers using cash up already today for, um, uh, for taxes through direct deposit. But ideally, we want to be known as the simplest way to handle all of your personal finances, um, no matter what you have to do, uh, no matter how creative they become. We want to make sure it's, it's simple and straightforward. And that was the idea behind um, um, creating uh, and, and launching cash at taxes. Uh, and we think there's a long roadmap ahead that um, is very fulfilling for our customers and, and also for us. Um, definitely over the long term, we, we still see a lot of complications uh, in taxes and uh, filing taxes, a lot of uh, hidden costs that are unnecessary that we can take away. Um, and uh, we're going to follow our history and, and, you know, remove any obscurity of information that we've seen in the financial industry to get it closer to customers, which has them, that we see, has them using our services a lot more. Um, because it's much more transparent and much easier. So um, we're really excited about this as a platform, but more importantly, we're excited to remove a bunch of this complexity so that people can get on with their lives. And, Tim, I'll just add that, um, you know, what we see with our tax product uh, is we want customers to view Cash App as really a preferred banking platform and expand awareness around Cash App's direct deposit capabilities. As Jack mentioned, historically, we see more inflows around tax season 
customers bringing in their tax fund refunds to Cash App. But now with this integrated tax product, we can make those deposits even easier and faster. Um, customers using Cash App taxes can receive their refund up to two days early if it's deposited to Cash App, which we believe can drive more inflows into Cash App. And ultimately, our focus as we level up is on, on driving more inflows, obviously through adding that utility to our customers. And we believe Cash App taxes can act as both an acquisition and an engagement product for Cash App uh, by being that simplified free tax tool. I would note that there's a number of levers that we have, right, for driving inflows. And one of them around recurring paycheck deposits, we are also seeing traction on. We've seen growth in recurring paycheck deposits with volumes up two times year over year in the fourth quarter um, as we've made improvements to that direct deposit experience by allowing customers to directly log into their employer or, you know, their payroll provider from the app. And, and also as we invest in marketing and boost incentives to drive awareness of those products and features. So part of a broader strategy that we have around ultimately the utility to our customers and, and inflows into Cash App. Excellent. Yes, we noted that partnership with Pinwheel there. So thank you for uh, both of those updates, Jack and Amrita. Our next question comes from the line of Lisa Ellis of Moffat and Nathanson. Please ask your question. That's terrific. Thanks, guys. Um, now that the Afterpay acquisition has closed and you've had a few months working with that team, can you just provide an updated perspective on the primary sources of synergy from the deal and how you expect that, um, the synergies to maybe even start to affect Block uh, in 2022? Thank you. Yeah, um, so first, we're thrilled to be over the hump and finally closed. Um, as you all can imagine, integrations are quite challenging and distracting uh, for both Afterpay, for Square, and Cash App, which um, we, we knew going into this, but uh, we believe in the, in the outcome fully and the future of it. Um, this is a huge uh, connection between our two largest ecosystems, Square and Cash App. Um, on the Square side, this is something that our customers have been asking for for quite some time. Uh, on the both both for for themselves uh, as sellers, but also for their customers, their customers are are driving some of this adoption. The interesting thing about Afterpay is it gets us much closer um, to uh, much much larger retailers. Uh, you know, continuing to go down our omni-channel strategy, making sure that we are um, meeting our customers wherever they are. Uh, is whatever size merchants that they want to shop at. Um, for Cash App, uh, there's a long roadmap ahead. Um, you haven't seen much of this. Uh, we'll talk more about this during our investor day, but this is, uh, to me, where the, uh, a lot of the real excitement lies is, you know, we, we have an opportunity for a whole lot more discovery um, on the Cash App side and giving Cash App customers entirely new capabilities um, that they haven't had certainly a cash up before, but I, I don't think in any financial instruments. So um, we're, uh, you know, we're we're still, you know, um, happy to to be through this this integration. It was it was tough and challenging, but I'm really proud of the fact that we were able to launch something day one of close, and uh, and then customers could use it uh, right away. So uh, expect us to continue that momentum and um, and continue to push, and expect a lot more on the cash up side. 
And I just add, Lisa, you know, obviously we've only just completed the acquisition a few weeks ago, uh, so we'll have more to share about how we expect to unlock deeper integration points and synergies between the businesses, Jack said, and Investor Day. But we really see a meaningful cross-sell opportunity between our square sellers, afterpay customers, both merchants and consumers, and cash app, and plan to leverage that overlap in consumption behavior as we develop these um, integration points further. You know, just to dig in a little bit more on the cash app side, Afterpay's retailers have shown a lot of excitement about a potential integration opportunity being developed right now with Cash App, uh, including the combination of Buy Now, Pay Later with Cash App Pay, which, as you know, we just launched a few months ago. We've also built in Cash App an initial search page for customers where they can discover Buy Now, Pay Later offers within Cash App, similar to how you might discover a boost um, offer within your Cash App. Customers can click through the search icon to discover Afterpay merchants along with other peer-to-peer network and, and boost functionality. That's the first time we've enabled commerce for customers to buy through Cash App. And it's early days. We continue to iterate here on this product, but we've already seen you know, over 100,000 leads going out from Cash App to Afterpay merchants since late December when we enabled this. So this is something that we think will continue to evolve and become more and more prominent as we further integrate Afterpay offers into Cash App, as well as further integration, obviously, into Square, broadening out the rollout of Buy Now, Pay, pay Later to in-person sellers. And we look forward to updating more as we make progress. Exciting. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Harshita Rawat from Bernstein. Please ask your question. Thank you for taking my question. So I want to ask about affluent uh, user expansion for Cash App. Uh, you know, driving monetization for affluent users is an area where some of your peers like Venmo have struggled, uh, partly because these individuals are relatively well-served by traditional financial institutions. So as you increase your marketing spend on Cash App, which I recognize is still very low uh, on a cash basis, what are you seeing um, in terms of engagement and user uh, behavior for affluent consumers? Thank you. Well, I'll, um, I'll say that I, I think our, our biggest uh, constraint right now is just, you know, how we think about building um, cash apps, uh, uh, uh risk and um, compliance efforts, uh, everything that we see around fraud. Um, we want to make sure that um, we are are building a system that is scalable, um, that allows for limits for uh, uh, customers who might have uh, more um, resources at their disposal and want to use Cash App for more and more things, um, such as the, you know, as, as they would as they would treat their their normal bank. So, you know, we have uh, we have limits in place to manage all these things, and a big goal for us is to make sure that we're um, looking for opportunities to increase those um, and to, at the same time, maintain all of our risk controls and, and fraud and, and, uh, and continue to do what we've done so well over the years, and um, not just on the cash up side, but on the square side, which has been our business forever. Um, so as we, as we look at uh, inflows and deposits, uh, especially this is a, a huge opportunity for us um, especially for our higher net worth individuals who, who want to use the cash app. Um, the marketing 
I, I think generally appeals to a, a very broad base mainstream, and, and that is always going to be our intention. Uh, we want to make sure we're building a brand that, number one, people can trust. Um, so they see it as simple. Um, they see it as uh, solid, uh, trustworthy, and that matches their experience when they download the app. They get in. Everything works immediately. They can access um, all the features that there's very, very simple ways uh, to provide more uh, information to get higher limits in place. Um, so, like, uh, I, I think I think the marketing, as we continue to look for opportunities to, to go even more mainstream and to reach a, broad, uh, a, a, a stronger audience, um, our marketing will certainly reflect the uniqueness of the brand which has served us really, really well, um, especially when you consider uh, the competition that we have in um, other banking services uh, and, and how dry and somewhat boring they are uh, in comparison. So we're, we're very excited to, to bring a lot more life to this and uh, certainly a lot more trust and a lot more fairness for our customers as well, which is a big part of why we're doing what we're doing. Great. And Harshita, I'd, I'd just add, um, you know, to underscore Jeff's point, um, cash app at 44 million monthly active, you know, growing 22% year over year, was the number one downloaded uh, finance app in the U.S. in 2021 and the number four downloaded app overall in the U.S. in 2021 on, on iOS. So, we are we are reaching mainstream scale and want to continue to enable broad-based utility, as Jack was saying, around deposits and limits. Um, but as you see through the strengths of our cohort economics with growing ARPU, you know, $47 in the fourth quarter, up 13% year-over-year, with strong um, gross profit retention of over 125% year-over-year for each of the last four years, and with strong ROIs at 6x over the last three years. And now with four monetization streams at $200 million or more in gross profit, there's a diversity of, of customers that we're reaching and a diversity of use cases that we're helping to address for our customer base. And um, and that work continues. And, and with that work, uh, we believe we'll be able to reach, um, you know, greater diversity of, of demographics and use cases over time. Very helpful. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Josh Beck from KeyBank Capital Markets. Please ask your question. Thank you so much uh, for taking the question. Uh, I wanted to go back a little bit to this, this topic of commerce discovery. Um, certainly the 100,000 leads right out of the gate is, is impressive. Uh, yeah, and, and Afterpay had certainly really good momentum on, on building up its affiliate model. So I'm just curious, as, as you play this forward, you know, how do you see this evolving? Is it um, maybe a case where you start to build out um, ad tech capabilities and have much, you know, deeper conversations with the advertising community to, to really kind of monetize, you know, some of the, the commerce discovery aspects of the platform? Just, just curious strategically how, how you're approaching that. So I can jump in here. Um, you know, what we see with a combination of Afterpay and both of Cash and Square is a true differentiator, frankly, when you look at the landscape of um, commerce and financial services and, and specifically differentiator related to buy now, pay later as we connect and integrate these, these platforms. 
Um, specifically with cash and afterpay, uh, we see strong potential to deepen the engagement across millions of younger consumers, frankly, who are immersed in online and omnichannel commerce. Um, longer term, we also see an opportunity to bring Cash App's financial tools, including money transfer, stock, Bitcoin, you know, boost, et cetera, to, to afterpay customers as well. So we see that crossover across financial services. But specifically with, with commerce, you know, as you noted, afterpay has a history of being able to drive lead generation to merchants. Um, this is prior to the acquisition. They were driving over a million leads per day in the back half of 2021 with 38% of those referrals from consumers searching within Afterpay for specific brands and 46% of referrals from browsing on Afterpay's app homepage. And now when you combine that with the scale of Cash App at 44 uh, million monthly active, that's an even greater opportunity for us um, to really add value both to the merchants who who are looking for more uh, quality consumers and to the consumer who are looking for more opportunities and more offers. Um, so we see a significant opportunity there. The other thing that I'd say is that um, when you think about the integration with Square, uh, obviously we've launched the Square Online integration day one with encouraging early results, but we've got a much uh, more fulsome further rollout to come across the broader ecosystem of in-person and online uh, in coming months. And what we've seen with Afterpay is the growing importance of their omni-channel presence. In their more mature markets like Australia and New Zealand in December, they drove over 30% of their GMV in-store. And those omni-channel consumers transact four times more compared to online-only consumers. Um, And we saw that in both the U.S. and Australia and New Zealand last year. So, uh, so really the integration across both sides of the ecosystem for consumers and both merchants, we see as a tremendous future opportunity. Very exciting. Thank you, Amrita. Our next question comes from the line of Keith Christensen from City. Please ask your question. Thank you. Good evening. Um, Jack, I want to touch upon your networking comment you made earlier uh, you know, I, I could tell you that certainly at my son's school, Cash App for Teens is, is definitely buzzworthy, particularly among, if you think about it, everyone's favorite bank, Bank of Mom and Dad, who, who also needs to download the app. Just wondering if you've seen that early signs of that, that networking effect uh, as it relates to Cash App for Teens. And then uh, quick follow-up, Emrina, just wondering if you could just give some color on the success of uh, user migration from Karma to Cash App. I know that the Karma app has been directing users to download Cash App. Just wondering uh, uh, how, how, are you, how are you viewing that progress and how do you figure that into CAC? Thank you. Yeah, um, so to answer your question, um, yeah, we yes, we, we have seen encouraging adoption by teams uh, joining our platform and, and really strong demand for broader ecosystem, especially cash up. I, I, I do think the, I think the marketing applies. I, I think the marketing like really um, speaks to uh, this group of people. Um, it, it speaks to youth, but the simplicity and the control speaks to the parents as well. So I, I think we've found a really good mix and, um, you know, we, we, we see a very long roadmap ahead uh, for, for that initiative um, for, for teams and, 
and for families and parents. So um, we're, uh, we're we're definitely excited about that and bringing more of our uh, of the ecosystem um, to it as well. Henrietta? Yeah, Pete, you know, just to finish up on that first point with um, Cash App for Families, you know, 20 million teens in the U.S. today uh, represent mm-hmm. a large portion of spend in coming years, and and we know they're early on in their financial journey. We can grow with them, and they're typically – teens are typically underserved by traditional financial services, you know, obviously relying mostly on cash. So this is an opportunity, to your point, to drive network effects as well as to grow with um, next-gen uh, consumers. Um, the second part of your question, I think you were referring to credit karma tax and our ability to now that we have an integrated cash app practice product to bring on new customers. Is that is was that your question, Pete? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, certainly, we do see an opportunity, both from an engagement standpoint. You know, with our current customers who are looking for a free um, and and relatively simple tax filing service. We're seeing an opportunity to go deeper with them um, to provide that utility around our integrated tax product and making those deposits easier. So it's an integration, op- uh, sorry, an, an engagement opportunity for us as we've integrated. It is also an acquisition opportunity for us. It is also an opportunity to bring new people in the Cash App um, who maybe haven't tried some of the other offerings within Cash App. But um, but as they learn more about cash app through um, cash app taxes, we have the opportunity to to, to uh, make them aware of our other products and services across the ecosystem. It's still early for us. You know, we're still relatively early in tax season, and, and we're still in year one in, in terms of this integrated product. But we're encouraged by the, the early results that we're seeing here. That's good to hear. Thank you both. Again, as a reminder, we would like to remind everyone to please limit your question to one. Our last question comes from the line of Ramsey L. Asal from Barclays. Please, oh, please ask your question. Hi, thanks for squeezing me in here. Um, I was wondering if, Jack and Amrita, you could give us your updated thoughts on, on the roadmap to roll out Cash App in more international markets. I'm trying to think of what, what the value proposition might look like internationally relative to the U.S. and sort of the timing around when we might see an expansion of Cash App in other geographies. Yeah, um, so, so this remains a major focus for the team. Uh, you know, we we, uh, we, we intended uh, the Square business to be global and we intend for the Cash App business to be global as well. Um, we, we have made some uh, you know, uh, some moves here. The, 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 the biggest strategies that we're exploring today for, for expansion is, um, number one, with our products. Uh, we launched the ability to send funds between the U.S. and the U.K. and it's seen steady growth of U.K. customers and transaction frequency over the past year. And the second is through M&A. Um, we recently acquired Burst, which is a European financial mobile app based out of Spain, uh, where we've been learning more about peer-to-peer behavior in, um, in Europe. Uh, and, and this will definitely be an opportunity for us to learn about how we move next around the world. So um, we, we will both uh, continue to expand our products uh, globally and, and pick the right um, uh, product features to launch first and then expand those and then also look for opportunities to make acquisitions within markets um, that uh, have similar behaviors or, or attributes that we have, we have found to be valuable in, in cash up. 
And, Ramsey, I'd, I'd just add that this is another one where afterpay certainly comes into play. You know, when you think about that 19 million um, consumer base as of the end of last year, about 65% is in the U.S., but obviously a significant portion that sits outside of the United States where we can grow together from a consumer standpoint, um, you know, and, and certainly as you think about Australia where there's a significant opportunity to um, to, to leverage the flag that Afterpay has already planted so well uh, for Cash App. So, um, so we see an opportunity for the future here as, as we um, build upon the skill sets and uh, the footprint and the consumer base that Afterpay brings into Block. Got it. Okay, thanks so much. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for participating. This uh, this does include today's program. You may now disconnect. Presenters, please stay on the line for a post-conference.